Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Eric. Hello. What is up? Oh, boy. What is going on? How are you doing? Are you continuing to thrive in quarantine, Eric? Speak yeah, up. I'm, yeah, I mean, for the most part, uh, it's... I'm, it's weird giving updates because it's basically exactly the same as it's been for what, four months now. <laughs> I know. Every day uh, is the same as the day before. We're trapped in a very boring Groundhog's Day. Um, yeah, absolutely. I wanted to thank you for stepping in last minute because originally, you know, not to shatter the illusion that this is a perfectly oiled machine, the show. Mm -hmm. uh, but originally Charles was supposed to be the co-host and we were also supposed to record a bonus episode in which we did a rundown of our favorite internet conspiracy theories. Yes. Sadly, Charles was called up very last minute to work. So we had to reschedule all of that. But I wanted to tell everyone, you know, obviously I wanted to thank you for stepping in last minute, but also I wanted to tell everyone that bonus episode is still going to happen over at my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. I wanted to shout out specifically for today, Olivia, who upgraded their support of uh, my show. So thank you so much, Olivia. But if you go sign up over there as a, uh, supporter of my Patreon, then you will get access to that bonus episode when we do record it, which hopefully will be sometime next week. Nice. I love okay. a good conspiracy theory, so this is, that should be fun to hear. You should be very excited then because I have yes. a full-ass spreadsheet of nice. conspiracy theories. <laughs> I probably have about 35, and I know <laughs> Charles has some that he is bringing as well, so we are going to do a deep dive. It'll be very exciting patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. Go sign now, up. Now, are these like, are we talking like deep internet conspiracy theories? Is some of this stuff like JFK? How, no, how deep are we no, going no, no. on the conspiracy? So this is a little spiel I was going to give in the bonus episode, but I'll do it here. And just so everybody knows what the, the episode will actually be about. My thing is it can, I was going to say originally that it has to have originated on the internet, but I will also allow that it like popped the fuck off on the internet. So for right. example, like the moon isn't real. That right. conspiracy theory existed pre-internet, but it gained a ton of traction on the internet. Sure. So I'll allow sure. it. I'm not getting into JFK shit. I'm not getting into the moon landing was fake shit. Cause I, I find those to be boring. We we've been over it a million times. Go watch Oliver Stone's film. If you want to know about the conspiracy theories. I thought you were going to say that you weren't going to include JFK because he was definitely killed by the CIA. Yes, obviously. Yeah, uh -huh. I mean, mm. we've all been there. We right, all know right. the old What's the tale. conspiracy? I mean, I don't get right. it. That's just fact. Um, so my goal for this episode is to make it an hour long episode, Eric, not an yes. hour and a half long episode. Lipson has been so <laughs> mad at me. I'm trying to upload these long ass episodes. My yep, internet's yep. not great. It's like, what are you trying to do? So, we're getting right into recommendations right now. Okay. It's happening. Wow. We're Let's in it. Go. Guys, I don't want to blow your minds, but Hamilton is good. <laughs> so I rewatched it on Disney Plus. I was like, is this still good? And I cried three times. It's still nice. very good. Go check it out. Uh, forcing my parents to watch it currently. They have done nothing to anyone, and I'm forcing them to watch it. 
Also, uh, Palm Springs on Hulu, real good. Andy okay. Samberg's new comedy, uh, very, okay. very good. Yeah, yeah. You'll Here's what's going to happen. You're going to start to watch Palm Springs, and you're going to be like, uh-oh, because that was the thought I had, because it is a, a romantic comedy that takes place at a wedding, and okay. it's going to feel like very generic romantic comedy, and just believe me when I say that's deliberate, and just strap in, because shit will get wild. Right. That sounds fun. I would like to see that. You should definitely watch it. It's so funny. And like, I, I truly can't talk about it without spoilers. Oh, that's the other thing. Uh, don't Google it. Just fucking watch it. Because, mm-hmm. that's, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a pretty... People should always do that. Well, especially there, there's like, like a huge twist that if you know what's going on, I think would kill it for you a little bit. Thankfully, I didn't have it spoiled for me. So I just went in with fresh eyes and then I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Andy, you know, I, I am of the opinion that Andy Sandberg does not get enough credit. I would agree, too. And I say that with great reservation because he is a good looking white dude who, uh, you know, uh, was afforded privileges and, but there's something he's really, he sort of reminds me of Adam Sandler in that this is a guy who you should hate, but he's so sweet and self deprecating in a smart way that it Mm -hmm. makes him very like, um, enjoyable to watch. Oh, don't get me wrong. He gets plenty of uh, industry and financial credit. Uh, but, <laughs> but I was thinking about this because I was uh, talking to some of my, my work buddies on Slack, and I, I'm of the opinion that Hot Rod and Popstar are two of the best comedies that have been made in the past decade. Can I tell you something wild? I've, I haven't seen either of them. Really? I know, wow. which is crazy because I, I like Andy Samberg. But for whatever reason, I don't know what year those films came out. Something was going on. It, it's like mid-2000s, yeah. I just, yeah. just like both of those movies, I think, are absolute classics. And they don't really get talked about when it comes to like great comedies or whatever. They just kind of get looked over because it's like it's that style of movie. It's a you know a Lonely Island movie or whatever, just like a real absurd comedy. But both of those movies are fucking great. Well, that's what's so weird about all of Lonely Island, like Lonely Island makes some of the smartest comedy out there. So whenever they're not getting a lot of credit for, because people are always like, man, they don't make good comedies anymore. And it's like, truly everything Lonely Island puts out is a great comedy. My first week in New York, like the first day of the first job I got when I moved to New York, I literally like almost physically ran into Jorm from the Lonely Island. I like almost like, I was like coming out of the side door of, of the dog walking company I got a job for. And I literally like almost like we, it was one of those situations where we we're like both turning the corner at the same time. And I literally like almost barreled into him and his wife and his son. That <laughs> makes you comedy trial. royalty. If yeah. you have that close of an encounter, I don't think yeah. I would recognize him. <laughs> I, well, it took me a minute. It, like I, when it happened, I was like, I definitely know who that is, but I cannot for the life of me remember their name. And then I had to look it up when I got back in the office. Right. But. Um, yeah. And then my last recommendation, and then Eric, I want to get to any uh, that mm-hmm. you have. But again, oh, I've got not, one. You oh, are I've not got a big one. allowed to recommend the same shit you always recommend on this show. Oh, if it, you're going to just so recommend good. it again, you just have to say that I don't have anything to recommend, and then we have to move the fuck on. You cannot recommend House again. 
I can't wait. You're, it's going to blow your mind. It's okay. going to be so good. So my last recommendation is Crawl. This is a horror thriller that came out a while ago. Everybody like, and their mother was recommending it. I never got around to seeing it. I watched it last night. It is, I'm going to say it, a perfect film. Wow. Boom. Perfect. It is an hour and a half horror mm. film. There is no fat on this film at all. It is so well paced that shit that normally you would see coming happens like five seconds before you would realize it's about to happen. It is That's perfect. That's the perfect. So timing. good. Like such a good use of environment in a horror film. Um, mm. It's about a, a, a woman who is trying to save her father during a category five hurricane, but uh Oh, there's a million alligators. Uh, <laughs> and every time you're like, wow, that was the last alligator we're going to see. There's five more. There's wow. five fucking alligators. Uh, it's so good. Uh, so watch it. I mean, if you're into horror, uh, if, if you're okay with like blood and, and guts and stuff like that, I loved it. It was so fun. Eric, what's your recommendation? Okay. Allison. That's so, not going to be what you owe. It's not billions. It's not house. It's not law and order. Al- Allison, just, I need you to let me talk for like two, right. 10 seconds. Okay. 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 Cause you're going to want to interject. You're going to want to yell out. and scream. Gonna you're going to, you're going to want to flip mind. out. Okay. 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 Allison. Okay. There's a television show Okay. called psych. God damn it. And God damn it. Hear me out. Hear me out. They just released a new psych movie. Okay. So this is kind of new. It is new. It is new. It, okay. it came out Thursday. Yes. It's on the brand new Peacock stream. You now. are on thin ice, but I'll allow it. <laughs> it is brand new. Um, uh, and it is, like I said, it's on, on the Peacock streaming network, which I was apprehensive about because I thought I was going to have to pay for it. Turns out you do not. Um, so I get to watch it free, which is nice. And it is incredible. It's very good. It's very delightful. If you're nice. a fan of the show, you're, you'll be a fan of the movie. The, the, the film, the movie has a really great story, which is, uh, like, uh, like a story about the making of the film, which is that they, they had already written a movie and were on set. They were like on location, like a couple days away from beginning filming. And one of the lead characters, um, played by Timothy Amundsen. Uh, Timothy Amundsen had a stroke. Like, whoa. Yeah, he had a stroke literally, like when they were getting ready to film. Oh no. Um, a really debilitating, uh, you know, bad stroke. So he went through a big recovery. Um, I think that was when they were film. There's two psych movies. This may have been when they were filming the first movie. I'm not sure the exact timeline, but basically they had this second movie. Sorry. And there's it- two psych movies. There's two psych movies. Yes. One came oh out God. in 20, 20- one came out in 2017. I want to say, I don't yeah. know. I, I'm trying to remember the exact timeline, but basically they were getting ready to film a movie. Uh, I, it, this may have been the first movie when he had the stroke cause he's been in recovery for like three years or something. So he's not in the first movie at all, except for one scene where he does like a video call in thing. Um, and he's one of the leads of the show. Um, so it was very weird that he wasn't in the movie and, and then, you know, people, obviously people knew why, but they, they basically, they had the second movie planned out. They, they actually rewrote the entire movie and the entire movie is about his character recovering from a stroke. Oh, wow. So. So they they found a way to like have him included in the movie with whatever he could you know manage to do physically. Yeah. Um. And and it's 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 really cool because it's I mean it's it's a very silly show but the way they wrote the movie 
with him in mind, you know, was able to feature him and also play to his limitations because of his recovery. And also it added a lot of like emotional depth to the movie. Cause it's like, you're actually watching a guy recover from a stroke. And so a lot of the stuff that he's talking about in the movie is like, Oh, this is just real. <laughs> like, yeah. this is just I like mean, that's real cool thoughts. that they found out a way to like still involve him. Yeah. Yeah. And so they, they, yeah, they wrote this whole movie based around a plot around him recovering from a stroke. So he's very prominent in the film. And like I said, it's, it's really interesting. Cause like, you know, you're like, I mean, you're literally watching a guy recover from a stroke. So it's, yeah. you know, a lot of that stuff has a lot more weight and it's, I mean, it's a very, I, I loved it. I, I watched it as soon as it came out and I just like, I loved it. I loved it so much. So that's cool. Okay. I'll uh, allow it. Uh, highly recommend have... the movie. One more recommendation. Do you have any more recommendations before I just move on? I don't think so. Okay. I figured that would be your only recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> like yep. the movie. Uh, I also want to recommend The Old Guard on Netflix, uh, directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood, uh, starring Charlize, Charlize Theron, a.k.a. our action movie goddess of the fucking century. She's so good in these types of roles, whether we're talking about Atomic Blonde or Mad Max Fury Road. I am ass in seat for Charlize Theron absolutely mowing down armies. She's so <laughs> fucking good at it. Uh, right. Gina does a great job directing the action scenes. Uh, I am a huge fan. I know this has been divisive. Uh, people whose opinions I really respect hate this aspect of the old guard. I loved it. Uh, so the author of the original graphic novel series is uh, Greg Rucka. And a big part of him selling his rights to uh, the old guard was he was like, you are not to change any of my writing. So when you're watching the film, if the dialogue sounds a little strange, it is because it is fresh off the page. Uh, I love that, especially a scene. Uh, so the, the summary of uh, the old guard is these are immortal warriors who have lived through uh, multiple generations going back thousands of years they're they're somewhat immortal although mm -hmm. there's a there's a catch to that they can be killed um but there are two of the warriors are are men who killed each other during the crusades and now they're lovers um and there's a great scene of them in when they've been captured um not really a spoiler but uh, there's a monologue one of the characters gives that is verbatim what Greg Rucka wrote, and it is beautiful. And I'm so glad they didn't change a fucking word of it. And I know that some people were like, yeah, but that's not how people talk. I don't give a shit. In this case, I don't give a shit. Um, some people so have said that the fight scenes are too flowery. I disagree. What I love about action films is when you have, A, a good fight choreographer. And in this mm -hmm. case, it was someone from John Wick. So you know the fight scenes are good. But I love when they give every fighter a distinct personality when they're fighting, because that's how it should be. That's how people fight, you know, and this movie does it so well. Listen, do they have flashbacks where everyone is speaking English for some reason? Yes, they fucking do. Do I wish they had not done that? Yes. Uh, but it, it, we just have to live with it at this point. Um, Kiki is so fucking good in this movie. Uh, I just, I really, really hope that they're able to film more. I want an entire series with this exact same cast. I want fucking more of it. So the whole, the whole thing is just verbatim, the graphic novel, just in movie form. 
As far as I know, yes. Maybe they had to wow. write additional dialogue uh, right. for like transitional scenes, but you can tell when like when characters are giving monologues, it's like, oh, this is a comic book monologue, and I love it. Right. I'll tell you what doesn't have good fight choreography is I've been watching Buffy with Faith. Oof. I have not. Oof. I never. I never see. I literally never seen. I mean, Eric, I'm, is I mean, this a is this an anti rec for no Buffy? no. I like I actually like it, but the fighting is bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's my my issue with Buffy was that I was not raised on a diet of Buffy, so my body cannot tolerate Buffy. So when I watch Buffy, it is way too much cheese, and we know I'm lactose intolerant. Um, I'm just gonna candy. I'm gonna run this metaphor into the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I can't handle watching Buffy. I can't handle how cheesy the fight scenes are. I can't handle like anything Sarah Michelle Geller says. Um, <laughs> and of course, now we know Joss Whedon is uh, an evil who has walked among us. So now uh, he he's he's hashtag canceled everybody. Sorry. Um, but I I never really had an attachment to Buffy. Couldn't handle it or tolerate it. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. It's definitely weird watching it for the first time as a 30-year-old. Um, <laughs> Why? I mean, Joss Whedon wrote it as a... Well, he wasn't 30, I don't think, but he, no. was an older, he was an older man who's like, I think feminism is a hot blonde kicking ass. Well, not, not so much like... I guess maybe not my age, but watching it so far removed from the time when it came out, because like television has changed so much since then are you so saying buffy it. isn't timeless <laughs> it's very dated but I, I mean i'm finding it enjoyable um but yeah the fighting is bad uh most of the dialogue pretty rough i do love the 90s oversized clothes oh <laughs> um, yes nobody nobody's clothes fit in the 90s that never it never happened once is this a, a fake memory or is seth green in it Oh no, he's in it. I just yeah. I just watched an episode of him in it. Great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, if it's a '90s thing, Seth Green, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Seth Green has to be in it yeah. wearing clothing that is three times too big for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he plays a musician. You'll be shocked to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Another stretch by Seth Green. <laughs> uh -huh, yep. Uh, great. Yeah, the the most cheese I can do that I've enjoyed recently is The Magicians. Mm, yeah. Have you Have you seen? I I've not watched it. I saw like a trailer or something for it. I read the book. Um, I think but... you and if Faith hasn't hasn't seen it, you guys would like it a lot. Yeah, we should watch it. Yeah, I want because I, like I said, I found the book at like a thrift store or something, and it, I didn't know it was like a like a best selling like phenomenon. But it's great. It's basically adult Harry Potter, but way more interesting and way smarter. <laughs> wow! Uh, Shots yeah. fired. Well, I mean, the Harry Potter. Sorry, everybody. Sorry to shit on your childhood, but the Harry Potter series is for children. I know you still identify by your Hogwarts house, but um, going, in. going in on Harry Potter right now. If you want to grow up and like still enjoy stuff like magic, watch The Magicians. It's it's made for adults, so you can leave those books for children <laughs> because they're for children. Uh, on that note, everybody. Guys, oh, and also J.K. Rowling sucks and is again hashtag canceled. So don't come for me. Your queen is a transphobic monster. Anywho, 
guys, that's enough of the pop culture section. It's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here's your bad news. All right. First and foremost in bad news, I wanted to talk about uh, the passing of uh, C.T. Vivian and John Lewis, two civil rights icons. Um, I don't need to tell you guys this, but just a quick recap. John Lewis, um, a civil rights activist for decades, was the youngest speaker at the Washington Monument um, protests where Martin Luther King Jr. gave his iconic I Have a Dream speech. John Lewis was the youngest speaker that day. Um, There's a really fascinating thread that I highly recommend you guys go check out by Student Activism on uh, Twitter. Angus Johnston sort of goes through the changes that John Lewis was forced to make to that speech he gave that day because (laughs) the protest organizers thought that his original draft was way too radical (laughs) because John Lewis basically was ready to go in on JFK and say it was too little too late and called out repeatedly the police state and police brutality that black people have been living in uh, since the founding of the country. And it's fascinating to see a, that he was forced to be less radical and that it was interesting to see like what concessions he was willing to make. Right. Because I think often we look back on history and we're like, well, those people never had to compromise. You know, like this icon just said exactly what he was thinking the whole time. And it's like, no, no, no. the whole time people were censoring John Lewis because he was fucking pissed and he yeah, had he- every right to be pissed. Well, yeah, I mean, people forget all the time, I think, just because it's so far removed at this point and it's not that well talked about. But like a lot of things from the civil rights area era, you know, um, like I this gets brought up a lot, I think. But like like the whole like MLK, like nonviolent protesting, that's a tactic. It wasn't like some crusade he was on. It's just, you know, it's a it's a protest tactic to to you know get moral authority on your side basically you know um and so like you know i mean basically like you were saying like people have this vision of history where everybody's like walking around and just saying you know what's coming saying everything that's running through their mind all the time and it's just not especially during the civil rights era a lot of that stuff was you know staged for a reason and a lot of the things they did were compromises so that they could win victories as opposed to just going out and doing you know exactly what they wanted to do all the time it was you know it was a coordinated like well-run you know protest action i mean that's you know that's that's what they did and a lot you know and i mean this is a great example of it it's like they didn't go up there and just like say exactly what they wanted to say like a lot of every single word was agonized over and and even even in this thread you know angus talks about he understands why they were making the calculations they were making the bill that john lewis was criticizing was brand new they were still hoping they could introduce language to it so they didn't want to piss off people because they were like we're still very in the 
much in the midst of negotiations here. We have to be careful what we say. So right. the threat is fascinating because Angus isn't like, fuck these people. He, he was like, I understand, like, they were agonizing over these decisions because it was like our future is in, in jeopardy here if we say the wrong thing. Right. I think a lot of, you know, there's been, I guess, like criticism of John Lewis over the years as being like, a, like an establishment Democrat type person. Which I man, just, uh, yeah, I understand, I mean, but also to me, it's, it's a shining example of it. You don't know your history. Right. Right. And well, and I think too, it's just different philosophies. I think John realized that like, because of what, I mean, I mean, like he was like, I think 24 at that speech or something. Yeah. And it's like, wild, I mean, this, wild. this has been his whole life. And I think it's just a difference of philosophy where John was very much like, we won these things by influence and because like, you know, they didn't have the power to go burn everything down at the time. You know, it's like, they were, trying to win these like legal, I mean, this is very much like a legal fight and, you know, and, and then he went into politics and I mean, that's what he was doing in politics was trying to win legal fights. And so when people would, you know, consider him like an established establishment Democrat or whatever, it's like, I mean, that was just like, I mean, that's his thing. I mean, he was working within the system and, and working for change. Um, you know, I, I just think, you know, that stuff always kind of pisses me off because it's just, you know, what, I mean, what do you want him to do? <laughs> I, and I understand, like, when you have somebody like a Joe Biden who's just been sitting in the same seat for so long and they just, like, are... They don't are, do anything. Yeah. Don't do, well, I mean, they either don't do anything or they just, you know, kowtow to corporate interests. And, like, oh, I understand well, yeah. right, right. criticism like that. But, like John, like, John Lewis, I mean, it is extraordinary that he got to see Obama become president. Right. I understand there's a lot of criticisms of Obama. We talk about a lot of them on the show. I'm talking about the singular act of seeing the first black president, you know, get sworn in to the office and Obama hugged John Lewis and said, I am here because of you to right. be able to see that is extraordinary. Like John right. Lewis had one of the craziest lives mm -hmm. ever in the United States. The fact that he lived long enough to see the first black president is incredible. We should never ever diminish how incredible that is. Um, right. CT Vivian, I think people know less about, or certainly white people know less about. Sure. Um, he worked alongside King as well. He was with the Freedom Riders in the South. He was working to register uh, poor black people to vote in the South. And he rose to prominence because there were really violent con I won't say violent conflicts because that sounds like both sides had power. It was a, uh, police in the South roughing up and, and beating and committing acts of violence against uh, the protesters in Selma who were registering people to vote. And that right. got a lot of national coverage. C.T. Vivian was one of the most prominent figures doing this because he was a religious leader, a great speaker, um, and people really, really respected him. So it was like a big fucking deal when they there were, you know— Photos of uh, police officers grabbing uh, C.T. Vivian when he had his, you know, uh, reverend collar on. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but those images are, I mean, I, I mean, I don't think it's hyperbolic to say, like, those images and, and like, video, video, 
videos of, of some of those actions that ended up making it onto the news, like without those, I don't know that a lot of that would have been won. You know? No, I think it's a great example of the power of photojournalism. Like yeah. when a lot of people, a lot of white people, especially in the North, saw like news footage of police using dogs and and fire hoses on black people were horrified because you know like that's just not your daily experience you don't see stuff like that and that photojournalism allowed them to see it and once you see it it's in your Mm -hmm. brain forever and you can't forget it uh and that's really powerful that they were forced to confront it like that yeah yeah absolutely yeah i mean both people, I mean, both of them lived really incredible lives and had a Amazing. lot of Amazing. Like when you think about how much the country changed and I guess like it's important to remember too, because 2020 is the worst and we're in the middle of a pandemic and there's like horrible police brutality and we're seeing all of this terrible stuff on a, a day-to-day basis. It's really important to remember that John Lewis and CT Vivian, how much the world changed during their lifespan and yeah. like, it should encourage us, but it, it should also motivate us because the world didn't just magically change on its own. It was because of people like John Lewis and C.T. Vivian who fought every day to make the world yeah. a better place. But we should be encouraged because the fact that John Lewis went from youngest speaker at the Washington Mon- Monument protest to seeing the first black president get elected, that's right. how much the world can change. And so right. quickly, if we are committed, if we stay focused, if we support each other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In just a few decades, like a lot of, you know, a lot of things got got changed around. Yeah, exactly. Um, so very different note because, oh, my God, did we get a little uplifting in the bad news section? Oh, I no. think we did. I'm going to bring it back down, everybody. Sorry. Sorry. We got to talk about the secret police arresting people in Portland. Um, What the fuck is happening? Yeah, what the fuck is happening, everybody? And then I don't know if you saw the update to this Homeland Homeland Secretary, not Homeland Security, talking points memo. Josh Marshall, are you getting a little sloppy with your writing? Wow. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. He's right. He's right. Acting Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security. (laughs) I see. I see. Okay. You came for the king and you missed. Yeah, the spacing of this article was weird. Um, Ken Cusinelli told NPR, not only are they not going to stop these secret arrests, right? Or I guess arrests by secret police, but they want to take the tactics nationwide. Did they? So I've been seeing reports that they were going to use border police. I mean, do have, has anybody confirmed who? I mean, I know they're federal agents of some sort, but do we know, like who who they are or who i mean i know like i said i know they obviously have like uh, people have come out now and and said like yeah the federal government is arresting people but like do we know who they are no i don't think we do uh the only thing we know is that who originally report oh oregon public broadcasting first reported it that federal law enforcement officers have been using unmarked vehicles to drive around downtown Portland and detain protesters since at least July 14th. Personal accounts and multiple videos posted online show the officers driving up to people, detaining individuals with no explanation of why are they, they're being arrested and driving off. Um, And all they're wearing is camouflage. Are, do, do you happen to know, 
because I've been trying to read, but I feel like I've seen multiple different. Uh, this is one of those stories where I feel like I've seen multiple different sources of information and nothing's confirmed. Is this all about? Because there's a big protest going on right now outside of the courthouse in Portland, and is this all related to that? Are they? Is it all like in that area? Like, are they just going after these these like courthouse protesters, or is it random? That I don't know. I know it's it's certainly part of that, but there might right. be multiple protests, and you know it's Portland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I knew um, there was like there's been like a standoff at this courthouse because yes. basically like they they were protesting outside the por- the courthouse and then they tried to go in the courthouse and then basically at that point federal agents were like, no, like we're gonna like fucking surround this courthouse and guard it with our lives for some fucking reason. Um, so I don't I I would assume it all stems from that because that seems to be like a big like federal government thing that they're doing right now. I mean, the ambiguity of it is so frightening because I know like when the Trump administration was using unidentified federal officers to patrol D.C., remember, that's when it was like the first time that reporters were like, who are these guys? Right. Right. Those officers turned out to be guards from the U.S. Bureau of Prisons. Right. Um, so, but that's part of what's so scary about it. It's like, I'm sorry, who are these people? And now Cusinelli is like, oh yeah, we're going to take this program nationwide. It's like, you guys are fucking brown shirts, except we actually knew who the brown shirts were working for, (laughs) you know, we don't even know who the fuck these people are. What gets me is I I don't, I mean, obviously what, what I don't get is like some of the videos are like. I, I mean, I guess, you know, maybe because it's a protest, there's like different things, but it's just like, I don't know, like uh, my understanding is that at the very least, they would have to tell you why you're being detained or or at least like mm-hmm. tell you what's going on. But like, I don't know, like it's it's weird. They're just literally like grabbing people and detaining them. Yeah. For, and with, without saying anything. Without, I mean, they're literally just like getting out of a vehicle and detaining people and not telling them why, which is very strange to me. It's frightening too, because like uh, we were always taught, you know, like if you're detained by the police, you have the right to be like, am I being detained? And if they say no, you can walk away. That's one of those things that in theory is like great and, and true and abides by the law. But if they just decide not to adhere to the law, what are you supposed to do? Right. Well, and that's, this is also why it's so scary that it's federal agents because federal law is a lot different than local police law. So, yeah. you know, I mean, we, you know, like, you know, uh, but I mean, I mean, not that, not that any of them obey their own laws, but I mean, it's just like, even the stuff that you think, you know, about like what your rights are and stuff. It's like, that's way different when you're dealing with federal agents. Right. Like and federal course, agents like, are people. Yeah, of course, they're doing all of this under the guise of like whenever they're asked any questions about like, hey, why are you disappearing protesters off the streets? That seems kind of brown shirty and fucked up. All they say is anarchists and everyone's like, oh, okay, fair enough, because they're like there are lawless anarchists destroying the city. And people are like, right, I guess you need to disappear people then. That's fair. Right. Yeah. And again, anarchist is nonsensical it's like what do you mean like are you just grouping in people who are smashing windows and again property destruction is not violence it's a separate thing um are you grouping those people in with like people who are holding signs and you're just calling them all anarchists well that's why i feel like this is probably related to the courthouse thing because it sort of feels like 
the federal government's like, well, it's a federal building, so if you fuck with the federal building, like right, our, right. the federal agents can do whatever the fu- whatever they want to. We can disappear protecting. you, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, because it, it seemed like the the one of the reports that I read was like they were basically just like they were basically hovering around the neighborhood surrounding the courthouse. And then as people were breaking off from the protest, you know, like when they would get by themselves, when they were like trying to walk home or something, once they were, you know, instead of like in this large group, cause if you, if they rolled up to the group, that's like hundreds of protesters, like shit would go down. But it reminds me you... of what happened in Seattle during the WTO protests where it was right. like there right. were protests in the city and then they, there were these clusters that branched off and started going into the suburbs. And that's when right. the cops right. were like, oh, no, now we get to be brown shirts and just completely smash this. Um, right. Right. Yeah, if, yeah if, if a group of three people walks away, like if you're like fucking four fucking seals or whatever, like you can roll up and just grab them. Right. Uh, and then lastly, in the bad news section, I wanted to talk about how fucking bizarre it is to be watching California going through what we here in New York City went through with COVID uh, surging back in March. Now the same thing's happening in California and other uh, states in the, the South. Uh, a bunch of states have had to roll back their reopening plans and stuff like that. But it's so weird to see people in LA now tweeting how like we were tweeting back in March. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's good it's work, very, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just, you know, it's so, I just, it's one of those things I just don't get. It's like, you know, the whole world watched what happened. Yeah. And they just we, apparently learned nothing. We were your warning, and it wasn't even a warning. Like, when it happened in New York, it was a fucking catastrophe. It's still going on. I don't want to, like, pretend like it's not going on. But, like, you watched 30,000 people die in right. this state. And you didn't think maybe we should just stay locked down because that can definitely happen here, too? Right. Allison, we, we have to talk about Andrew Cuomo's dog shit poster Oh my God. Okay. I have a question and no one has been able to answer it for me. So if you don't know what we're talking about, Andrew Cuomo, and I like, was it done by an art? I don't want to like badmouth the artist because like whoever did the actual illustration is clearly very talented, no shade, but Cuomo and the, the office of the governor clearly commissioned this propaganda where they were like, we need you to illustrate how we kicked ass during the pandemic and it's this ridiculous sort of it kind of reminds me of like wes anderson art um about how we got over the mountain how we did it together as a community because you know thirty thousand people died but we did it and at the top it's like love wins and it's like great job love thirty thousand people are dead but one part of the mountain is labeled the boyfriend cliff it's funny yeah what is that i the last thing that I read about that is that is like an inside joke in his family or something. What is it? Oh, 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 I know what it is. I know what it is. Uh, he said something about his daughter's boyfriend. Yeah. That's what it is. Thank you. It was driving me fucking insane. I didn't know what this thing was. You know, what's funny though, is like somebody pointed this out, which is like, do you remember when back in March when we first went into lockdown and there was the whole like flatten the curve 
campaign, right? Mm-hmm. And they showed like, well, here's what happened if we don't lock down. And there was this big, you know, spike in cases. And then it was like, well, here's what happened if we do lock down. And it's like the same number of cases, but flattened out over a longer period of time. Cuomo's poster is just the, uh, the first curve. It's yep. like the yep. bad one. Uh, never forget that 30,000 people are dead because of Andrew Cuomo and Bill de Blasio having a fucking dick measuring contest over whether they were going to shut down the city or not. People died because of those two fucking assholes. Yeah. I mean, de Blasio definitely not, uh, I mean, definitely not off the hook, but Andrew Cuomo should be in fucking jail. Yeah. Specifically for writing a statewide directive that they need to send positive COVID patients back into nursing homes. Yeah, that's a that that was a legit mandate from the you state, fucking from, from got the whole people state. killed, and the fact that people are now like Cuomo's my zaddy. I'm like, you are embarrassing. You're embarrassing. Oh, this guy yeah, it, killed tens of thousands of people. And people, and I, I may have made this point the last time I was on the show, but it's like people are like, well, you know, New York's not spiking cases, it's like, because everybody already got it. Yes, we are. It <laughs> ravaged this city. Like anybody who was gonna get it got it. You know. Uh, yeah. And it killed a lot of people, and we shouldn't celebrate these so fucking many, monsters a, now. Something like something like a third of all the deaths from COVID in the United States are just from New York. Yep. I mean, that is staggering. Yep. It is absolutely. I mean, just the fucking gall on this guy. I mean, it's bad enough that, he, that he's like, "Oh, we we did it. We got over the cliff." To fucking sell a poster about how good you did when th- like thirty thousand people, uh, you know, in your state died. Like, I what know. the fuck? You're delusional, uh, guys. On that note, that's enough of the bad. Let's wrap things up. Here's your good news. <laughs> So first in good news, I think it's finally happening. I feel like our culture, our society has changed enough now where we're ready to do it. I think we're about to cancel Ellen. <laughs> and it started, I'm pumped. Let's trickle out. It's yeah. finally happening. And again, uh, all credit, like in most social movements, to the people of color who have worked on The Ellen DeGeneres Show, who are now coming forward, who are talking about how toxic and plagued by racism The Ellen DeGeneres Show is. I feel like it's been a slow trickle effect. You know, definitely a lot of white people got on board with canceling Ellen when she uh, showed herself to be buddy-buddy with George W. Bush, who is a war criminal who should be in in prison for the rest of his life. Um, And people were like, "Uh uh-oh, is Ellen hashtag canceled? Even though uh, we who are industry adjacent, as I like to identify, um, have been hearing stories about Ellen for years about what a fucking monster she is, blah, blah, blah. She, she treats her employees so terribly. This has been like a well-known thing for a while. I feel like we are finally gaining traction and I feel like the end is nigh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have a lot of thoughts about it. Uh, it's weird. You know, uh, this is the Ellen thing is one of those things that happens a lot where it's like a lot of people that are like you were saying, like a lot of people in the industry are like, 
oh yeah, we all know Ellen's bad. It's like, well, why is anybody doing anything about it? Like, if everybody knows this shit, like, why is this a thing? Well, I do and... think there's a difference. Sorry, quickly to interject. I think there's a difference between like I have sympathy for people who you got to pay your rent and this is the job right. you have. And your boss is a, an asshole, not your fault. And you're just trying to get through the day. I won't shade you. But the people oh. who actually have authority and power and who are already wealthy, who like collaborate with Ellen, it's like, why don't you care that she is a monster? Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like no, no shade for anybody. No shade for anybody that works. I mean, almost any job. Like, I mean, you know, people got to fucking pay for stuff. But uh, you know, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, it's one of the, it's like, I mean, it's like the, you know, obviously there's a lot of power and stuff involved with that, you know, um, uh, but it's just like, I mean, it just happens so much in the, in like the entertainment industry, you know, it's like the Harvey Weinstein thing. It's like, Oh yeah, it's this big open secret that everyone knows about Harvey. It's like, well, if everybody knows why, like, why, why is this still happening? You know? Um, oh man, um, I, we, we, I didn't even put this in the recommendation section cause it just, it's such a bummer, but I finally watched the Epstein documentary on Netflix. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, man, wow, it's, it's good. I just like, you, you know, everything already, but then you watch it and you're just like, everybody knew. Oh yeah. Everybody knew Every and time. no one stopped him. It's so yeah. awful. Yeah. It's just like that stuff happens all the time. I mean, I, I should say, yeah, obviously the, we know the answer it's, it's money and, and power and privilege, right. but, but I mean, but it is one of those things that's so maddening where it's like every time something would come out about Ellen, everyone on Twitter is like, Oh yeah, we know she's a monster. And it's like, well, well, what the fuck? Like, what, like if we, if everybody knows, then what do we like, what is, what, what needs to happen for something to actually take place? She's you an know? interesting um, example because I feel like it's important to remember that she was this cultural icon because right. she was one of the first openly gay people on TV. Yeah. Um, and it was like a storyline on her show, her coming out. And it was like a huge deal at the time. Ellen was mm -hmm. oh, yeah. oftentimes the first like gay friend of a lot of like right. Midwestern housewives because they watched her talk show. And like, so I think she has been able to skate by for so long because of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and, and I was going to mention this, but that's a, that's a great way of saying it. It's like, I also think it's important for people to remember, like, like, uh, I'm trying to phrase. When you're on Twitter, that is not representative of the entire country. <laughs> what? It's so. It's I like don't when, know if that's true. <laughs> like, when when articles like get released and everybody on Twitter is talking about stuff, it's like, uh, like 95% of the people in the country that like fucking live in the Midwest and watch Ellen don't know shit about what's going on. Eric, and so Twitter. Twitter predicted that Hillary Clinton was going to win the 2016 election and she right. did. So right. you yep. eat those words. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just like, you know, it's like, Oh, we're, we're canceling Ellen. It's like, are you, I mean, <laughs> you know, okay. She's getting a lot of bad press, but is, I mean, until yeah. something happens with the show, you know, that's what rules. That's what rules the entertainment industry. Do you have a show? Are you making money? Like these are all, right. like, so it's important just not to just be like, you know, I mean, th this information getting out is good. I'm not, I'm not saying anything about that. It should come out and people should talk about it. I just like, you know, I think there's a disconnect for a lot of people where they're like, well, if we, if we're all mad about it and we're all doing it, it's like, well, you know, probably a lot of our audience doesn't ha has no idea what is going on. 
And I'm so it's sure. To I'm almost sure. sure that's true. Yeah. And I like I still hold out hope where I'm like, listen, I would be thrilled if Ellen changed. If Ellen suddenly was like, you know, I, I've been hearing that a lot of racism is going on and I want to have a more diverse staff. I want to address these issues. I would be thrilled and I would be OK with Ellen staying on the air if she was like being nice to people and you know, uh, encouraging a atmosphere of acceptance and diversity. I think that would be great. But everything I have heard about Ellen leads me to believe that will never happen in a million years. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, most rich, famous people are like that. <laughs> you know, right. Just, you know, like, why would they change? They got that's rich That's the thing and that you need to remember. Most people who become successful and rich got there because they played ball. And playing yeah. ball means ignoring problematic behavior, uh, really playing into sexism, homophobia, racism, like whatever the standard quo is, you are there and you don't rock the boat. And that's why you right. keep climbing the ladder. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's always like when all those stories about like rich people, like being cheap come out it's like, that's, I mean, that's how they got rich. Like, right. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, obviously it's not like, you know, it's, that's, it's, it's exactly what you're talking about. You know, it's, it, this is how they got there in the first place is through all this behavior. It's not like they just got rich for, for no reason. Like, you know, that's how you get powerful and rich is by being a part of the system. Mm hmm. Uh, so also in good news, I wanted to talk about uh, the football team in Washington. I won't say the the old name because it is a slur against Native Americans, um, but they uh, are changing their name now. And I guess it took uh, until 2020 for them to realize they did a deep dive into the history of racism. And they were like, guys, they held a meeting and there was like a whiteboard with a bunch of complicated diagrams on it. And they were like, I think this right. name is racist and we need to rename ourselves because it is 2020. So there's been some suggestions about what they can rename themselves. My favorite is the Red Tails honoring mm -hmm. the black uh, Tuskegee Airmen who uh, um, fought in the Second World War. I think that's a, a, a great... Uh, options certainly better than the one that they have right now. Um, the Red Wolves but is another option. I love the Red Wolves. I would be yeah. so stoked if they were the Red Wolves. Yeah. Uh, my favorite suggestion was Parker Malloy's. <laughs> she just wrote that it should be the Washington Skins, and the logo was just like like a bio like a biology chart of like the layers <laughs> of skin. Everybody <laughs> likes skin, right? <laughs> Buffalo Bill's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's my hope. Is <laughs> well apparently but apparently they were supposed to announce it on Monday, but apparently they didn't realize that there were gonna be like apparently a lot of these um from what I have read, a lot of people have been predicting this change for a couple of years now because they go yeah. through this every year and a bunch of people have just bought naming rights to a bunch of different names hoping yeah. that this would happen so they can get paid which honestly is i mean good on them yeah. uh you know so a bunch of people have just parked trademarks on a bunch of on that a is bunch my of speculative favorite names. hustle for how people make money <laughs> they just buy web domains i know yes. parker actually did that for a long time yeah uh, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. yeah but it's it's very smart if you can get ahead of it um 
but yeah, I mean, well, I will say too, I think it is a, you're, you know, uh, being a little facetious, uh, in the beginning here, but I think it is a testament. I think this story specifically is the best encapsulation of the moment that we're in because it is a topic that has been brought up for years and they just never did anything about it because they didn't need to. They're, you know, every time somebody brings it up, it's like, okay, we'll think about it. And then like, you know, a month goes by and everybody drops it. I mean, I mean, people still talk about it. You know, they still will say it online like, oh yeah, they have a bad name, but it's like the team doesn't give a shit about, you know, like people talking online, but we're, we're in a moment for the first time where they could like legitimately be affected by a protest. And that's a really good point. Like they're being forced to make this change right now in the same way that like the army just had to come out with new guidelines where they were like, here are acceptable flags that you can have in your living quarters. And the Confederate flag was conspicuously missing from the list because they were like, it was like a soft ban of the Confederate flag. They were like, you please stop putting up the Confederate flag and like NASCAR and all of these Confederate statues coming down. Um, it, it's just a, another sign of the time that Washington has to be like, Oh shit, we, we have to definitely change this racist name now. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I mean, these, these entities will only respond to incentives basically. And so that's why, like, I think one of the last times I was on the show, I went on this big rant about like, or like, you know, uh, like organized marches and stuff. And that stuff's all great. But like, I think the, the, the Washington example is a great example of what I was talking about, which is like every time there's some sort of coordinated effort, there's petitions and stuff like that. They just have to weather the storm. They just wait it out because they know nothing's going to happen. The the fans are all still going to go buy the merch, go to the games, you know? And so so much of it revolves around merchandising because it's not like I think that, you know, these I mean, certainly some of them are probably racist, but I think the calculation these executives are making is this will undermine our merchandising bottom line. It's always about money. It's always about money. But if they have a sick enough design, I'm like, people will buy that merchandise all over the country. Are you kidding? If you have a cool logo, they'll buy it just to support the name change, you know? Yeah, I did see, uh, I think, uh, like an open letter from like the family of the person that that made the logo, the one that exists now. Mm -hmm. And they're they're, you know, native people. And they they were sort of like, we like we'd like it. Um, The the logo specifically, not the name with the logo. But they were like, you know, they were asking to keep the logo and just change the name. So it'll be be interesting to see what the team does because they didn't say anything about that. They just said that they were changing it. I don't know that they said for sure they'll drop the logo or whatever. So it'll be interesting to see what they come out with if they ever. I feel like you have to change the whole thing because, like, I'm sure the family feels that way, but it's like, I know for a fact there are Native Americans who are like, please don't just, please don't use a image of a Native American person for your sports franchise. You know, like, just move on, (laughs) move on, everybody move on, embrace change, change is good. So speaking of change being good, I wanted to talk about Joe Biden, just saying, fuck you to Susan Collins. Um, (laughs) Susan Collins uh, is a, a house representative who is notorious for being just the fucking worst at worst and doing stuff like Supporting Brett Kavanaugh and 
blah, 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 blah. So now her seat is very much in jeopardy. She has a challenger named Sarah Gideon and Joe Biden initially like surprised some people when he came out and he endorsed Sarah Gideon and people were like, oh shit, he didn't support (laughs) Susan Collins. To me, this is just a clear sign that they know Susan Collins is going to lose. Right. Right. Big time. Um, I should say the race is happening in Maine. Um, yeah, I think anybody who's been watching this election is like, oh, Susan Collins is done. Donezo. Yeah, I think the, uh, I I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand how political endorsements work. Because uh, yes. in, in my experience, just watching and, and reading this stuff, a lot of people do, they endorse who they think is going to win. <laughs> Not, you know, I mean, they won't go so far as to like change parties or whatever for the most part. But it's like, when you see when you sort of see the feel the wind shifting it's like you want to be on the winner's side and so you know this always comes up especially if like say you're running for president you want to be perceived as a winner right exactly yeah i mean this always comes up with every presidential race like people like i was you know i i loved bernie i you know i make i make no uh, I have no shame about that. But a lot of people were like, oh, why won't so-and-so come out and endorse Bernie? It's like, they're not going to, unless they're like very ideologically driven. I mean, a lot of people did endorse Bernie, but a lot of politicians just wait till they can try to figure out who's going to win. And they just wait for that. You know, that's why you see like after, after like Bernie dropped out, just like a huge rush of people endorsing Biden because <laughs> he was the last person left. All right, and it's right. just like, and it's like, well, cause they, they need to be on record as endorsing the winner. You need to like, you need that record of being like, well, I endorsed so-and-so and they won. And then, you know, and then you get all these favors for endorsing him or whatever. So like most, most like politicians will try to just pick who they think is going to win as opposed to like who ideologically they support or who they want to win. Cause it's like, right. if you, if, if you endorse somebody and they lose, you lose a lot of like political capital from that. Right. And it it is still satisfying because Susan Collins was always held up as an example of like a reasonable conservative because she's quote unquote moderate. But literally every single time what would happen is people would be like, is Susan Collins about to stand up to Trump? No, she didn't. Okay, great. We'll move on. Uh, Absolutely never stood up to uh, uh, fascism or Trump or uh, what's happening right now. Uh, Total coward hack. Uh, bye, bitch. Yeah, just the worst. The worst. Uh, so going back to what we were talking about uh, regarding statues, I like this mm-hmm. story from uh, Bristol, England. Uh, one of the statues that has been replaced was a statue of Edward Colston, who was an English trader of enslaved mm-hmm. people. Right. And they replaced his statue with a beautiful new statue of Jen Reed, a protester for the black lives matter movement. And the statue is gorgeous. And it's so weird to see a statue of a young woman of color and like just seeing it and seeing like modern dress and like, you know, uh, her, her hair, her Afro. And like, I don't know. I was like, man, I'm not necessarily pro statues, but if we're going to have statues, more of these statues. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I'm very like, I just don't give a shit about statues at all, but if we're going to have them, I mean, might as well. Also, I think people's like perception of history is a a lot warped where it's like, 
people just don't like i don't i mean i think it's maybe something that people kind of know in the back of their head but they don't really take the time to analyze it which is that like all the stuff you see around you that's like historical at the time was like new or was like knocking down something old to build something new and so it's like all the stuff we revere is like being like, oh, these are historical things. It's like, well, at some point it wasn't historical, right? Well, especially it's like, in the United States, because our right. our sense of old, quote unquote, right. is like yeah. a couple hundred years old. You know, like when people are like, slavery happened so long ago, it's like, no, it fucking didn't. Like no. people who were children who were born to enslave people are still alive. Yeah. Like yeah. it, in terms of history, slavery was like a a, the, a fraction of a second ago. Right. We're not but talking yeah. about tearing down the Roman Colosseum. We're talking about taking down a statue that is maybe sixty years old. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just like I mean, I mean, there's the specific point about like, I mean, a bunch of the Confederate statues were put up, put up during Jim Crow, so they're yeah. not even that old. Right. But there's, but the more general point is just like. You know, people like really like get all twisted about like, oh, they're tearing down stuff or they're putting up new stuff. And it's like, well, this is this always happens. You know, I they people were getting all upset about like changing the definitions of words. It's like, well, all the words, you know, now at some point were changed. People are so weird invented. about it. Anytime Webster like adds a word that like. Yeah black people have added to the vernacular, white people lose their fucking minds where they're like, they're right. changing the language. And it's like, what do you think language is? It constantly evolves. It constantly evolves. And all the stuff that you think is like, oh, this is set in stone. This has been, this, it's been this way forever. It's like, it really hasn't. And even if it has, at the at some point, it had to be a new idea. There's no difference between like, when they made the statue 200 years ago versus like, putting up a new statue now we're just living it and people can't wrap their head around that concept of like all the stuff that you think is historical at some at the point that it was made was what you're living through now it's you know right. they just can't like wrap their heads around this the, this idea it's like all this change all you know tearing down statues putting up new statues all this stuff it's like this is the how the this has always been happening this is literally how the world works right Guys, on that note, we're out of time. Please follow Light Treason Pod on Twitter. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, Light Treason News, I think, question mark. Where are those places, too? Follow me on Twitter at Allison Kilkenny. Follow Eric at E-R-E-K underscore Smith. I spell your name every single time, and people still misspell it when they send oh, questions wow. that they want you to answer. E-R-E-K, come on. You're not new. Stop acting new. Listen to Eric's podcast. Um, I always forget the Twitter handle. Uh, the podcast is called Based on a True Story. It's just at Based Pod, B-A-S-S-E-D-P-O-D. Oh, yeah, at Based Pod. Go follow. Yeah. Guys, thanks so much for listening. And I realized I have always been signing off this way. I used to say go outside and cause a little trouble. I've tailored it to stay inside and cause a little trouble. But in also in honor of John Lewis, who always said uh, cause good trouble, because there yeah. is a type of good trouble that you should cause. You shouldn't just go along with racist laws. You should right. get in the way. So in honor of John Lewis, uh, cause a little bit of good trouble. You should do it. Allison, you're in a tight ship. Thank you so much.